Okay. Welcome. Welcome to... back. Welcome back. <laughs> we're sorry for the hiatus, but we were, Amy was still traveling and I was having an existential <laughs> crisis. <laughs> um, but we Gucci. Yep. Um, we're back. We back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we, uh, we totally didn't celebrate that last episode was episode 20. And oh, that's yeah. a bit of a milestone. It is. So this is 21. Legal. <laughs> Finally legal. legal. Finally legal. <sighs> What's our um, first drink going to be? <laughs> <laughs> Mine was a lemon drop. What was your Ooh, that's first classy. drink? Margarita. Oh, see, but that's like <laughs> classic. Classic. Classy. Yeah. Um, I love it. So today, we're both, Amy and I are both <laughs> having a bit of a moment in our mm-hmm. lives where we are trying to figure out what is the purpose? What's up? What yeah. is up? <laughs> I love yeah. you, but don't cross, cross me, me though. <laughs> uh, so yep. we decided to pick kind of several topics that we feel like are sort of related for this week around like like pur- purpose of the universe, like greater universal connectedness and like energetic power and things mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. I'm going to stop talking and <laughs> Amy's going to take it away. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I only got to one of the things that, we decided we wanted to talk about because yeah, like Olivia said, I think both of our states of mind have been interesting to say the least Mm -hmm. in these last little, this last little time period. And so, yeah, this topic is fitting and I just felt like, whoa. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) I think that the theme for today is that all of these topics are fuel for your own existential crisis. So perfect. Yeah, I've got some pretty fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So yeah, the one that I'm gonna talk about today is so-called glitches in the matrix. (laughs) So glitches in the matrix are firsthand accounts of things happening. Usually just little things that you can't explain. So Like, for example, you fill a cup with water and then turn around and see that the cup is empty. Or, like, (laughs) you put something somewhere and then it shows up somewhere else. Little things like that that are really freaky, but, Mm -hmm. you know, harmless, I guess. But you just can't Mm -hmm. understand why. So, anyway, to start, though, I want to talk about, like, the theory behind glitches in the matrix because as you can tell by that wording it implies that our quote-unquote reality is like a computer simulation that can have glitches Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. any of our other technology (laughs) which yikes so (laughs) technology (laughs) we have to post that okay there's this really funny youtube clip (laughs) And I'm not even going to explain what it is, but it's no. hilarious. And we watched it over and over again at university and just died laughing. So Glitch I, in the Matrix, mm-hmm. technology, gasp, <laughs> terrifying. I can't even remember 
like if that's part of a bigger video or if it was just a clip that is it was like a news clip like it yeah. was like <laughs> like people like this just in people terrified of technology <laughs> and the guy jumps out with a sign at this lady on the street that says technology and oh, she obviously God. is fucking scared because <laughs> he lunges at her. her yeah <laughs> I can't wait to watch that again. Oh, God. Oh, same. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> scary. All right. So, simulation theory is what it's called. And it was proposed in 2003 by someone named Nick Bostrom in a paper that he called, Are We Living in a Computer Simulation? And in this paper, he presents three propositions and argues that one of them has to be true. And one of those propositions is, quote, we are almost certainly living in a computer simulation. So <laughs> to me, the thought of that is spookier than anything oh. we've ever talked about on this Plus podcast. One. That makes yeah. me want to throw up. Yeah. That make, like I'm, I'm like salivating because I'm like, oh, I could throw up. Yeah. It's it's like my mind just shuts down. Yeah. When I try to think about this too in depth, I just feel like I can't. <laughs> There's like a wall yeah. up. So, yeah. But that article also was behind a paywall, so I couldn't read the whole oh. thing anyway. Um, mm -hmm. So I just have little synopses of it. Okay. So the article that I used is from Scientific American, and it was in 2020. And it was nice because it was, A, understandable, and B, mm -hmm. <laughs> made it more palatable um, yeah. to absorb that information. So to make the simple parts of it, even simpler. It mm -hmm. summarizes some work that David Kipping, who is an astronomer, did to understand the simulation argument. Mm -hmm. And so he boils it down to being basically there are two possibilities that either one, we are living in a simulation <laughs> that is housed within a supercomputer that was created by some advanced society that has infinite computing power. Or okay. two, we are what they call base reality, which is an existence that is not simulated. <laughs> so those okay. are our options. Um, so base reality is like what we generally believe, right? Like, yes. Like we are, re we live reality. Yes. I think. I, mean, I think. <laughs> yes, that's right. Okay, so, sorry, continue. I'm already like shaking. I know. I know. I, I don't think, like it. Yeah, what base reality would be is, like you said, what we think we're living right now. Like it's, we're the advanced society yes. with the computing power. Okay. Yes. I think. And we created right. Sims. Yes. <laughs> like, isn't this, like, okay, just sorry to interrupt, but like, no. doesn't it feel a little bit like uh, self-important? Like we're placing mm -hmm. a lot of self-importance on ourselves because we're basically saying that we're Sims. Mm -hmm. Like it's so meta. Yeah. Uh, I hate that. <laughs> that word now has dual meaning. But uh -huh. 
that's just so that just feels so like well of course if there are aliens they'd look like humanoid and it's like why why that's so dumb that's Mm -hmm. just because that's what we know like that's this is not necessarily evolutionarily the best thing, you know, like yeah. super vulnerable meat sacks, like <laughs> not lit. Yeah. We're pretty delicate actually. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. Conti- yeah. Please continue. No, it's yeah, <laughs> it's bizarre and mind bending. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Base reality. That's where we are mm-hmm. presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, but Anyway, his analysis found that the odds are 50-50 of whether we're living in a simulation or whether we're in base reality. And he's an astronomer? Yes. So (laughs) I think, so I watched a little video with Neil deGrasse Tyson talking about this. And he was saying that he finds comfort in that. Because I guess in the original article about simulation theory, he presents it as if it's, like, fact um, that we are in a simulation. And then when you think of life that way, it's like, why does anything matter? (laughs) Why wouldn't I do whatever I want? And why does anything happen? Yeah, exactly. And Like, is it art? Like, is it AI? Is it, like, machine learning where we're, like kind of making our own reality still like free will how does that factor in that's just so yeah hard to wrap your head around yeah I know and no one really can explain any of this obviously no of course so (laughs) it's just bizarre and so thankfully with this 50 50 idea I guess it leans slightly in favor of us in our current definition Mm -hmm. of humanity being the base reality Mm -hmm. but he goes on to say that if we are ever able to create a simulation that has conscious beings inside it then we almost certainly are not real which would put us in a simulation (laughs) that could potentially be in a chain of an unknown number of simulations (sighs) Yeah. Okay, so I kind of, I'm just trying to be objective and not uh emotional about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I kind of do get it, like, at least where the, like, because my thing was, like, who was the first person to think of that? Like, are you okay? (laughs) But no is the answer. But also, I do kind of get it because, I mean, there are literally people who don't believe in the Big Bang. And it's like, Mm -hmm. okay. But, but... Like, I believe in the Big Bang for lack of a better explanation and because I believe in science. Yeah. But, like, mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, creationism, Adam and Eve, like, sorry, but no. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that's my, that's my, <laughs> that's my opinion. Um, but I do kind of see how it's like, well, that actually would explain it if, you know, we started from, quote, unquote, nothing because mm-hmm. we weren't started yet. Right. But then that doesn't explain, like, dinosaurs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. why? Like, oh, they just, like, were like, oh, let's put fossils in the ground and make them think <laughs> that there's been existence long before they ever walked the planet. Like, what about yeah. the evolution of humankind? Like, that, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I know. 
it's that question of who created the creator mm-hmm. and why. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. It just, it's just <laughs> an unanswerable thing, in my opinion. I mean, some people have strong beliefs, maybe because of their experiences, but I don't think that we will know maybe after we die, but even then, who knows? Yeah, maybe not. But yeah, also that if we are in a simulation within a chain of simulations, that implies that all of the like civilizations for lack of a better word that exist Mm. in these simulations follow the same trajectory that leads them to then create this supercomputer (laughs) to create another simulation and then all mimic the base reality yeah right and then it's like why what's the point of creating a simulation of what you're already living right and yeah, lack I read of other, I don't know, like yeah. lack of creativity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, and some people like the theories I saw, I guess, were that maybe it's entertainment for these more advanced humans like to watch oh. <laughs> like a video game or a way for these future humans to relive their pasts which oh. then also makes me question, like, are we being controlled like a character? Yeah. Or, or is time not functioning outside of, in, the, in theory, outside of the simulation the way it works in here? Right. In here. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that so fucking much. I hate it. Yeah. I, no. I don't like that either at all. I I guess it doesn't, like, if that is true, it's not gonna, well, I guess unless I find out as a fact <laughs> that that is mm-hmm. true, just thinking about it doesn't change my perception of reality or right. my life, but I certainly don't like thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I just feel like a pretty grounded person. Yeah. And that just like upends everything. <laughs> so. Well, and I mean, you like for me, I just am getting hung up on like the details. Mm-hmm. Like I at a high level, hypothetically, okay, fine. Like there's some master creator or even a creator above that and above that and above that and they all follow the same trajectory. I have so many questions about like, like you said, like who created the creator and why, Mm -hmm. and then when did it start? How, Mm -hmm. what are the differences between the base and all of the iterations that come thereafter? But I'm thinking about our reality, whether it's a simulation or it's the base. First of all, (laughs) let's get down to it. (laughs) Sorry, I'm just, I'm just really about to go in. First of all, uh-huh. I understand the argument that, like, if we are able to create a supercomputer that creates conscious beings within it, then that almost like confirms that we probably are a simulation. 
But then doesn't it also confirm that we could be the base the reality mm-hmm. if we've conceptualized this and we're the first to conceptualize it based on no factual evidence? Mm-hmm. Maybe the study of like additional dimensions, but then that could go so many different ways. That's not yeah. necessarily in favor of a simulation exclusively. That's in favor of a ton of other stuff. Astral projection, which I'm going to talk about and like mm-hmm. past lives and like afterlife experience and all of that, like that, I don't know. That just, that feels really like, I feel mm-hmm. like I, I like literally will pay for the paper. I want to like read this original article because I feel yeah. kind of annoyed. Like I'm annoyed. I know. <laughs> no, I get what? that. Yeah. And it could also be that like me talking about this is as if I read like, um whatever simulation theory for dummies and then i'm teaching it like (laughs) class no but i don't think you're no but like i don't think you're teaching it poorly i i honestly don't know much about it but beyond people jokingly being like we're gonna get a simulation and i'm always like "Ah, no we're not like we're not sims yeah (laughs) no but Uh big yikes man big yikes yeah but this article the scientific american one also mm-hmm. has a lot more to it, but it mm-hmm. was all about like quantum physics and yeah. a quantum computer that could help us like actually figure out if this is possible. And I glazed over. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't get it even if yeah, I read it. <laughs> there, <laughs> that might be just... some of the missing <laughs> details in there. Okay. okay so, okay. I don't know. But yeah. There's also a movie. I suppose it's like a documentary because they interview people that are like staunchly believe in this theory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called, I think it's just called A Glitch in the Matrix. Yeah. Oh, okay. It came out somewhat recently. <laughs> it's The Matrix with Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Have you heard of it? <laughs> There's this movie called The Matrix. There's this movie, it's called The Matrix. I don't know, it's pretty underground. You probably haven't heard of it. Yep. (laughs) Oh, classic. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's called A Glitch in the Matrix. I don't know. It says you can stream it somewhere. I didn't look. I'm going to watch it. I'm really going to barf everywhere, but I'm going to watch it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it sounds like this article I saw is an interview with the director, producer, mm-hmm. um, and the people that the, he mentions in this interview, like, there's even now something f- called the Matrix Defense as, like, a subsect of the insanity defense, because if somebody kills somebody thinking that they're in the Matrix, they can use that as a plea <laughs> to be... Isn't like, that just reason the insanity defense yeah. still? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. But they call it the matrix defense. and they, Oh, you said it's a subset. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I mean, and it's specifically about people who think that they're in some other reality or that this isn't reality. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but to, yeah. your, to your point, it's like, but it is our reality. So mm-hmm. kind of... I don't know. I think with like faith, I guess, for lack of a better word, is it's like 
what's the purpose of it? It's to give people hope, like Mm -hmm. to give you purpose and to give you hope for, you know, eternal life or something bigger than us or whatever. Mm -hmm. And even, even atheists, I think like they have, I know that faith has a like godly religious connotation, but I think in their own way have faith in that. I don't think it is like really upsetting to them that there's nothing. They're like, you're not going to care because there's mm-hmm. nothing. It's not like your soul floating in nothingness in mm-hmm. the void. It's like it's just abs- you're, it's yeah. just nothing. Like mm-hmm. you're engulfed by it and it's done. So I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it's it's kind of brings you back to like, is there life after death? Like yeah. maybe <laughs> uh-huh. and maybe not. And like, does it matter? Like yeah. whatever gives you hope, what makes you want to wake up in the morning and like feel good about trying to live a a life as a good person and like helping others and whatever. But even still, I, I talk a big game, but that makes me want to <laughs> die. <laughs> I know, but I know what you're saying. It's uh, yeah. It, none of this, maybe none of this will matter in the end, yeah. but then again, kind of like what we were just talking about and what we said earlier, some people can take it too far mm-hmm. and feel like, if I'm in a simulation, I have no responsibility over my own life. Yeah. And yeah, that, I don't know. I was going to say something about faith with that, but maybe I won't, (laughs) I won't uh, go into that part, but yeah, it's very interesting. So let's move out of that though. (laughs) That's like the, big theory behind it but now these are just yeah these are little stories from people um i imagine that the original source is reddit but i found these on thought catalog so they're this article i suppose has a hundred over a hundred stories from people whoa so that's kind of what took me so long (laughs) to put this together and I only have seven because I just tried to find ones that like a lot of them were similar yeah Um, so I just tried to find ones that were unique in their own Mm -hmm. sort of section of these things that can Mm -hmm. happen so first one I took a hard news, soft news journalism class in college where one of the assignments was to write an obituary for one of my grandparents. The professor told us to write it on a deceased grandparent, but if all of your grandparents were still alive, we had to choose one. Oh, weird. Weird. You're like, kill one off in the imaginary world. Yeah. I hate it. But so... They go on to say, all of my grandparents were alive. Um, I procrastinated the assignment until the night before it was due because it seemed like a dumb assignment. So I was looking for an easy grandparent to write about. I gave my mom a call and asked her for some basic biographical information about my maternal grandfather, who is still alive. As we were talking about my grandpa's career, my mom couldn't recall the name of the companies, one of the companies he worked at. She lectured me about waiting until the last minute to write the assignment because it was late, about 10.30 p.m., my grandpa's time. However, she said she would give him a call to see if he was still awake and would be able to answer that question, 
since my assignment was due the following morning. When my mom called my grandpa, my grandma answered the phone in a panic. My grandma frantically explained that the paramedics had just arrived and were performing CPR on my grandpa because he had stopped breathing and passed out. My mom was able to stay on the phone with my grandma until they took my grandpa to the hospital where he was declared dead. <gasps> I yeah. In the time my mom and I had been talking on the phone about my grandma's grandpa's obituary, quote unquote, he was dying out of the blue at that. He had been otherwise healthy considering his age. We ended up using the obituary I wrote for that writing assignment as his oh. actual obituary. <laughs> Oh oh my god. Yeah. My anxiety (laughs) is through the roof. That's like, do you ever get in that? I mean, I think this is like maybe an OCD thing, but where it's like, you know, the like step on a crack and break your Mm -hmm. mother's back kind of thing. And then you get in your head about it. Like, could I actually actualize that by Mm -hmm. believing it? And then you kind of can't stop thinking about it. (laughs) Shit, dude. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's probably just an awful coincidence, but what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, I'm swearing a lot this episode. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's warranted. Because oh we've talked about that a little bit before, I think, of like why mess with these things? Yeah. Putting something out there, you never know what yeah. is going to happen. And that assignment is awful. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, I, would, I, I would just say, like, no. make someone up. Yeah. Like, make someone up. Yeah. Right. But poor family. That's awful. But interesting. The mom must have just been like, what did you do? (laughs) (laughs) Are you a witch? What is happening? (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. How life changing. Oh, my God. Okay. Now, here's another one. So this one says, I used to love drawing portraits when I was younger. But I wasn't very good at it, so I threw them away a lot of the time. But one day, I drew one that I was really, really proud of, so I kept it. About a week later, we had a new girl start in our class, and I thought she looked super familiar. And a few days into the week, I realized that it was because she was the girl I had drawn. (laughs) I went home and found the drawing, and sure enough, they were nearly identical. It freaked me out, and I felt weird about drawing portraits of nobody, quote unquote, ever since. Weird. Oh. (laughs) Okay, the thing is, like, I can't draw to save my life. Like, I can Mm -hmm. draw stick figures, and it ends there. Uh So the the even just the concept of drawing a face that I've never seen before, like you know how they say you can't dream (laughs) a face you've never seen before. I had the exact you same could, journey. As your yeah. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Such a glitch in the matrix. What the yeah. hell? Right. I know. So <gasps> yikes. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Next one. We'll just keep them back to back. <laughs> yeah. Just, <laughs> just keep going. Deeper down the rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm unraveling yeah. over here. <laughs> Okay, number three. When I was about 15, I was eating some cereal and accidentally dropped my spoon onto the kitchen floor. I watched Uh the spoon fall. As it hit the floor, it vanished into thin air. I was shocked. I thought surely my eyes were playing tricks on me. 
It must have just bounced away and gone out of sight or something. I spent 30 minutes searching the kitchen for that spoon. I was freaked out. I tried to think of every possible place it could have gone. There weren't many places it could have ended up, and I never found it. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just, like, throw my hands up. I don't know. And that reminds me of, like, all the earring backs I've lost or, like, bobby pins that you never find. No, even once <laughs> you've cleaned out an entire mm-hmm. room, all the furniture's out, and you're like, yeah, where, "Where is that thing?" Mm-hmm. There are there are three things. Well, a, a couple were lost in one. The one of the three was something that I must have gotten lost in a move, either mm-hmm. from college to home or from apartment to apartment or whatever. But it was this piece of audio equipment that my dad had given me, and. Mm-hmm. He was like, are you sure you can't find it? Like he had asked me so many times and I had like torn everything apart. Like remember packing it up and then just, I don't know where it went. I don't remember if I unpacked it. Maybe I did. Maybe it got thrown in with some other stuff and, you know, got thrown out or whatever, but made me freaking crazy. Yeah. And, but there were two things recently and they were when I moved here to Toronto, Mm -hmm. one was a pack of birth control, like medication. Oh, mm-hmm. And one was a vape, like a weed, like vape pen. Mm-hmm. And I, they both were in the same little bag that I, that's oh. like a fanny pack bag that I keep within a larger bag, mm-hmm. both zipped all the time. Right. And it was like, the gremlins. Like, I, I was just like, what, what? Like, and I recall, and to be fair, I usually would take my birth control when I was also using the baby <laughs> So I was probably high, but I either put my vape pen back into that bag. I have, it goes in the same pocket. My birth control goes in the same pocket in that little bag every single day because I can't fucking lose that. Yeah. So I remember getting up and it was sitting on this chair right next to me, my bag within the bag. Mm -hmm. I remember unzipping the big bag, going into the little bag, taking out my birth control, taking my birth control, grabbing the vape pen, hitting it, putting both back, (laughs) re-zipping everything and going back to bed. I then went, went about my the next day. And it was when I got home again, I put my bag back down. I opened it up when my little alarm reminder went off and they were both gone. Yeah. Bizarre. And the only (laughs) other place I put my vape pen, birth control never moves. The only other place I put my vape pen is my bedside table. Mm -hmm. And it was, I had to go buy a new one. Like I, and I tore my apartment apart. I was like, I must've like put it in the fridge or just done something really weird. I dumped out the garbage. Like I was like, maybe I just was, wasn't thinking or I was holding two things and meant to throw one out and meant to put one away, whatever. But it, it haunts me. Yes. It, it, it neither ever showed up again. Yeah. I never saw either again. Oh God. <laughs> would it be better if you found them? Or... Yes. Okay. It would be better because <laughs> then I could just say, I just misplaced it. I was just yeah. thinking about, I was being mindless. I was thinking about something else, doing 10 things at once as per usual. And I just, whatever, it just, you know, I put it somewhere weird, but oh, it turned up. Okay. Cause that's happened mm-hmm. to me before. Like my sunglasses, I have like nice Ray-Ban yeah. aviators 
and they had they had this is weird they had managed to drop from like on top of my jewelry box through this like grate in my closet (laughs) in austin into like between my clothes and jackets into my (laughs) boot slippers and i had torn my closet apart looking for that and then one day i shoved my foot into that fucking boot slipper (laughs) and i was like what the hell is that and then i was like oh my god my (laughs) so that's what i was expecting with the vape pen i was like oh my god like it's it's somewhere Mm -hmm. but no it's not it's nowhere oh god maybe when you move it's gone Prayer hands all the way up for that. Like that would yeah. be like, wow, okay, I can rest easy knowing we don't live in a simulation. Yeah. <laughs> that for me, evidence yeah. enough. No glitch in the matrix. No glitch in the matrix. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like my blood pressure is really high. I know. These things. I feel like I sound unhinged. No, you don't. You don't. <laughs> I know. I feel like kind of manic <laughs> thinking about this. Jesus. That's, yeah, I was <sighs> thinking like people are going to think I'm having some sort of episode. <laughs> okay, talking. rest assured, my topics kind of provide an alternate like explanation for some of this stuff. Okay. So we'll <laughs> okay. get there. All right. Okay. So here we go. Number four is a short little one, but very spooky. So a few nights back, I was wide awake in the guest bedroom at my place and I heard footsteps and then my wife say, hey, gently at the door. It seemed weird. So I got up to see what she wanted and she was fast asleep in bed. So (laughs) she's astral projecting. Yeah, I'm just going to call it right now. (laughs) We're going to get to that, but I think that's what that is. All right. Hopefully, I mean, Ooh, some please sort God. Of explanation. <laughs> he didn't see her. He doesn't. He just doesn't say that he saw her. Um, he just heard her. He says heard and Footsteps. then yeah, heard my wife say hey at the door. Okay. So he didn't see anyone. Interesting. Okay, I like that. that yeah. That's good. Okay, <laughs> we like that. <laughs> okay, now this one's kind of funny. So, um. This is one of the weirdest things I've ever experienced. When my now ex-boyfriend and I had just gotten together, I went out and bought him some new shirts. We had just fallen in love and I saw a shirt that said love life on it in big red bold letters. The shirt was all white with only the words on the front. It was a little inside joke between us because we would use that phrase to describe our life and we named our joint business Love Life. He really loved it and wore it a lot before it sat in the closet for a couple of years. Well, a couple of years go by and let's just say Love Life was a horrible definition of our relationship. He was horrible. Anyway, I'm cleaning out the closets, getting rid of old clothes, and there's the shirt. I pull it out and the shirt now reads low life <laughs> the exact same way it looked before, but it says low life. I immediately ask him if he remembers the shirt and what it said, and he tells me love life. Well, as soon as I show him the shirt, he flips out the same way I did. Both of us know that the shirt never said low life. Why would I buy a shirt that said that for my boyfriend? <laughs> It's like I flipped dimensions into the reality 
my ex-boyfriend was a complete abusive douche and it showed up in the shirt. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. That's a funny one. That is funny, but also that's like that's really freaky. I know. It's so weird. I feel like I've had experiences kind of like that, not but they they weren't like like enough of like core memories for me to be certain, you know, like memory is so fickle. Yeah. But especially if it wasn't like worn out or anything right. like that. Looked the same. That's so <laughs> wild. That's like the um blue is it blue or gold that dress yes that dress yeah, <laughs> yeah. blue different. and black or white yeah. and gold once for me I could get my brain to see it both ways and then yeah. I could flip back and forth but it took me a long time to see the white and gold yeah same I think I've only seen the white and gold one time mm-hmm. but then in those other ones I can't remember the words right now for the ones that you listen to yeah. And people hear different things. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking one of those words, you can hear it. And then if you think the other, yeah. you can hear that. You can hear it. Yeah. So it's interesting. But yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Next one. Um, there was one morning before school when I randomly thought, I haven't heard hey ya in a long time. It's a good song <laughs> though. Just mm-hmm. a meaningless whatever while brushing my teeth. I arrive at school and all of my friends have hey ya stuck in their heads. They were humming it all day, and when I asked them about it, they said they thought about it that morning. None of us had heard the song recently enough at all to be reminded about it. Just some weird joint thought. (laughs) That reminds me of, though, when... Like, that's one of those things where I think, like, energy... There's like an energy and like an energy to the universe too that like we can't see or yeah. hear. But you know when like you and I have experienced this a lot where we both start singing the same thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there's a rhythm to the universe. Yeah. That you like there's a t- like a tempo kind of to the universe and the timing's the same. Mm-hmm. Jordan and I, my brother and I do that all the time. Like that happens a lot. And yeah. I always think that, that that's like some weird connection energetic like yeah un, and un, like not even not even connection to one another but like that the universe has like patterns in it mm-hmm. that we're like oh that's kind of like that yeah but it's all subconscious yeah interesting yeah and the people that you're close to it's no surprise that they would interpret those right patterns the same way yeah interesting okay last one i saved because we've had this happen <laughs> that it says i was going to lunch with two coworkers we were discussing another coworker one coworker made an assessment of the coworker we were discussing and i agreed with him he looked at me and said i didn't say anything <laughs> i was thinking it and the other coworker there agreed that he never said it Oh, yeah, so there, were, yeah. there was a witness. That, I think <laughs> yeah. that part's important that there's a witness because it's easy to, like, maybe I did say it aloud and I mm-hmm. just didn't realize it. Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. What? <laughs> Where's Kayla? Oh, she's with Cody. Yeah. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, same exact thing. Oh, my God. Which, yeah, we've told that before. but That is wild. Yeah. That's the last one for me. 
Okay. <laughs> Buckle up, baby. for so long. <laughs> oh, no, that was I'm like this is a really fascinating one to me. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I could talk about this for days. Yeah. Same. So mine are kind of similar, kind of different. I think I sort of I sort of wish like so mine are going to talk about I'm going to talk about like afterlife and a little bit of past life experiences, Mm -hmm. um, but also astral projection. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on astral projection because I just think there's just there's so many like really interesting stories about the afterlife stuff. But I think it's worth too like recognizing that excuse me (laughs) thank you i'm just gonna leave that in um do recognizing that like a lot of these the idea of like a simulation for example that it doesn't necessarily have to be a hierarchy that it could be parallel tracks you know what i mean that it's not a creator making the next simulation that makes the next that makes the next Mm -hmm. that like an alternative explanation could be that we're running parallel to other realities right base or not like maybe mm-hmm. there isn't a base like yeah i think that's a very human concept that mm-hmm. there's like a baseline and then things evolve from there like yeah that's been our evolutionary experience, experience. Mm-hmm. but i don't necessarily think it's that like what mm-hmm. if the big bang created multiple different realities and dimensions like that is so feasible so feasible yeah um and with like quantum physics and all of that i think that's something that well actually i've read that that's something that a lot of like quantum physicists are exploring of like how can we prove that there are dimensions with realities within them basically right um and what do like crossovers mean so i think with that comes a lot of potential in terms of like afterlife versus like being born again and past Mm -hmm. lives and you know you know even like um like reincarnation as kind of a part of that not necessarily in a linear way but where you could relive the same years or time (laughs) in a different context like it's just endless yeah but i'm gonna try and keep it a little more grounded than that but i just (laughs) wanted to kind of like segue with that because i think that gives me more hope Uh than like we're in a computer simulation. Yeah. We're Sims. Yes, yeah, we are Sims. I hate, yeah. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. So I'll start with a couple of like afterlife, past life things um, that are kind of specific to not me, but someone I know. So we have a close family friend of a close family friend who there's, they have a daughter and a son. And um, the son, when he was very young, um, was in, he was riding his bike and I don't know the exact details of it, but basically he rode into the street and was hit by a car and was like thrown up in the air, like some significant distance like yeah. in the air. And I, one of the parents or both of the parents witnessed it, like saw him fly up in the air, like at least 10 feet mm-hmm. and saw him fall to the ground. And I, I want to say he was like five at this time. Maybe, maybe he was younger. Maybe he was like three or four. He hmm. did not have a scratch on him. <laughs> not a That's scratch. Weird. And he talks about, and I think it's worth like talking about this separately, but I wanted to include this story, but he, t- he said that like someone caught him and put him down like Aww. an angel. 
Yeah. At least that's how his parents interpreted it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So Mm -hmm. the same kid, when he was little, little, like an infant and like just talking like one and a half, two, probably, he would reference his other family. Oh, God. His old family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think if I'm not mixing this up with another story, he had a sister who died Hmm. who was like maybe hit by a car or like the parent maybe ran her Hmm. over in the car it's like a very sad story that like a child it seems very unlikely that an infant would make that up yeah um or like a toddler maybe not an infant a toddler would Mm -hmm. make that up um but yeah he would like talk about like oh yeah my other mom like my old mom from before and she'd be like Come again? <laughs> Here's your oatmeal, psycho. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, that was just kind of interesting. So, I wanted to bring that up. Wow. Another kind of, like, semi-related topic is, like, the idea of deja vu. Mm-hmm. Some people think that um, that in and of itself is a glitch in the matrix. And right. not specific to the simulation theory, but just to the idea that like there are other realities, whether it's base versus simulations or parallel, whatever. Um, and there are a lot of, um, a lot of people who like experience this regularly. And there's someone actually on Reddit kind of explained at least like on a very basic level, like why that sensation happens. Mm. But I thought I'd share, I have a couple that kind of come up for me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, one is when like, I'm, I'm talking to somebody and someone says, oh, will so-and-so like be there? Or they, will they go? And I'm like, no, they won't be able to make it in time. And there's something about that, but specific to whatever scenario it is that like really trips me up. Mm. Interesting. There's also something about an uncle and something about Sundays. Hmm. Like it's in a specific scenario. It's not just like bringing either of those terms up or even together necessarily triggers it, but there are things that like, it's like murky kind of on the edges of my consciousness that I'm like, Oh, that like triggers something. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And that kind of brought me before I go into some of the Reddit things, like brought me to the idea around like energies to different concepts and words. So like in my mind, Thursday and the number seven are the same. Hmm. And I can't explain why <laughs> I, I, I literally can't explain why. And there's so many things like that. Like, and th- there's actually kind of a trend, I think on TikTok or Instagram or whatever, that people say that, like, why is it that like pizza and Friday have the same energy? Like, why is <laughs> yeah. that the same energy? Mm-hmm. But like burritos and Friday don't Yeah, like no. I could be eating so many burritos on a Friday. Like yeah. that's a treat ass food, but it's yeah. not. That's not a Friday. Right. Energy. Or, yeah, like, why is my math folder always red and <laughs> my geography always green or whatever? I was going to say green. It's yeah, got to be green. It's obviously like, green. <laughs> it's obviously green. Yeah. You know what I mean, though? It's weird things like that. And it's yeah. like, where does that come from? And the fact that a lot of people will agree on them, mm-hmm. that's what's weird to me. Yes. It's like, okay, it's got like a weird energy. Yeah. So. One of the things on Reddit that I found to be really interesting, and I didn't know this, people who are concussed can have a sensation of deja vu for like hours or even days at a time. Oh, God. Which How I would uncomfortable. I would be so uncomfortable. Yeah. And someone was trying to explain because there were a bunch of people like talking about deja vu in this thread, and there are 
a lot of them are like, yeah, when I was concussed, when I hit my head really hard, like, and someone explained that it happens when your short-term memory and your long-term memory get like crossed, Mm -hmm. basically, like they get confused with one another, meaning that the memory is immediately accessed as if it were already there. So you feel like you've seen it or heard it before. So according to your brain, you have seen or heard it before because your short-term memory gets like immediately registered as long-term and then Whoa. it gets suddenly pulled forward again. Interesting. So it's a really weird concept. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of a trigger warning for this next part. I'm going to go into some near-death experiences and there are definitely some stories of suicide, um, mm-hmm. just references to suicide. So if that makes you uncomfortable, I'd say skip ahead five, 10 minutes. Um, there are quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. So one, um, I think is like kind of interesting. And this is just a, like a quick reference to suicide, but just around like near death and like emotional trauma and how your brain handles that. Mm-hmm. So hundreds of people attempt to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge, I think every year and very few survive, but there are survivors. I think Mm -hmm. there's actually a Netflix documentary that talks about the survivors and they're Mm -hmm. interviewed. Most of the survivors, like those, I think actually all of the survivors say that when they're falling, they immediately regret the decision. Yeah, Like it's like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, how just seconds ago, I was so sure. And now what am I doing? Like, this is the worst decision I've ever made. Um, the reason why, like the last thing you remember isn't like the impact. So like for people who do survive, they remember jumping, they remember falling, mm-hmm. they don't remember impact. If mm-hmm. you're in a car accident, similar, you remember driving, you remember swerving, you don't remember hitting the tree. And mm-hmm. the reason for that is your brain is trying to forget something that leads to emotional trauma later. Mm-hmm. So it's literally your brain is like protecting you from processing it in real time or retrospectively because it it's traumatic it's traumatizing yeah. which is why people have like repressed memories of like abuse and things like that so mm-hmm. i just thought that was really interesting um just because i think it's kind of connected to all of this and a lot of the after or like near death experiences or when people have actually died like have yeah. been declared dead and then have been revived mm-hmm. so one of the things to consider in all of this is like the chemical side. So I wanted to just talk about that because near-death experiences like to the scientific community are really puzzling, especially yeah. to psychologists. Um, so your heart stops beating, like when you are declared dead, your heart stops beating, your brain registers no sign of activity. If you're you know hooked up to a machine monitoring that other vital signs indicate death. However, people report a continuation of consciousness, which is like completely like not (laughs) explainable scientifically. Like there should be brain waves, like there should be activity. Mm. So in neurobiological terms, near-death experiences, they call them NDEs. So I'll call them (laughs) that. Um, Uh That's from psychology. This is from psychology today. Um, They've never really been fully explained. So various theories have been suggested, things like, hallucinations caused by lack of oxygen, undetected brain activity during the period when the brain appears not to be functioning, a massive rush of endorphins, a psychological, quote, depersonalization in response to intense stress, so on and so forth. However, all of these theories can be basically just like completely 
swept aside based on the fact that like, for example, oxygen deficiency would result in a chaotic hallucinatory experience with associated with confusion, memory loss. But what people describe in their NDEs is really vivid. You're yeah. like more alert, mm-hmm. more present than even in your waking moments. Even mm-hmm. sometimes it's like completely like off the charts kind of like clarity. So it seems really unlikely that, you know, that that low a level of brain activity that would be, you know, undetected by an EEG mm-hmm. would would actually result in something so vivid and intense that's just like not yeah. really scientifically possible. Mm-hmm. So another theory is related to psychedelic chemicals that are naturally produced by the brain, mm-hmm. DMT, um, which is short for dimethyltryptamine. So it's similar to, it's natural. Um, Obviously your brain produces it. It's similar to LSD or shrooms, magic mushrooms. Um, And researchers believe that there's, you know, there's a theory that um, basically like that mass release, similar to like a mass release of endorphins could create this kind of, you know, experience that people have in these like near-death experiences. What people, they, they did a, a study that compared like people who take D cause they can recreate DMT um, mm-hmm. like synthetically, I think. I don't know yeah. if they like ha- have a way for your brain to produce that. I don't really know how that works, but um, DMT and then also a placebo. And there are like very clear differences between the two. Um, significant increases in phenomenological, pheno- yeah. phenomenological phenomenological features associated with the near-death experience following DMT administration compared to the placebo. So basically like people seeing, um, you know, there, there are like 16 items that they use on this like near-death experience scale, um, within this study and nine items showed a high degree of crossover between just general near-death experiences and this study specifically. Um, these included an, a quote, unearthly environment, a sense of peace, heightened senses, a feeling of harmony and unity, altered time perception, feelings of joy, bright lights, and so on. However, all nine of these characteristics are generally associated with spiritual or mystical experiences rather than just NPEs because like those things happen to people yeah. not experiencing a near death experience. So it's very, it's very confusing. So it's kind of like correlation causation. Like there's just a big question mark on a lot of that. So I wanted to just like go into that in a little bit of detail. Cause I think that's kind of important. Yeah. And there are obviously a ton of themes in what people see. Um, there was something on, my mom told me, I think she came across it, I don't know, some video, but it was like interviewing a, a nurse or a doctor, like someone in the medical field who I think works specifically in palliative care. So like has seen many people at the end of their lives. And it's like, she said like, you know, regardless of what, what there is after, whether there is anything after this life, like the experiences there are there's a very common experience like people see loved ones who have passed in the room and are confused why their loved ones living can't see them there and i know that was the case like for my papa my maternal grandfather like he had that where he was like oh you know there's so and so and my granny's mm-hmm. like 
<laughs> yeah. Um, which is, I think, very comforting. Mm-hmm. Um, but people like kind of zooming out and seeing their body from above or from the outside. Um, there are a couple like specific stories that that I'll get into in a second. But a lot of people see, and this was kind of listed on the, the NDE, like, list of things that pop up. Um, a lot of people see bright light. A lot of people see nature. So like mm. big fields of flowers, mm. gardens. That's nice. Um, that is nice. A lot of people see loved ones who come to them or like appear beside them as they're looking at their body or in these these peaceful landscapes. Other people have like hellscapes oh, God. Of, that they see. <laughs> And most of them are like saved by a loved one, which is interesting, which makes me question like how much of this is being informed by how you view yourself as DMT is being released. So like how much is your conscious brain active in all of this? Yeah. Um, Which we really can't answer. But I wonder too, you know, if you think about like taking a drug, drug like ayahuasca or DMT, like you can give yourself a bad trip. You can have a bad trip and kind of like, force that on yourself with anxiety, environment, all those things. So I don't know what part that plays. Um, Some people see nothingness. Uh, Someone (laughs) referred to it as like the big empty. Oh God. He went on to say he had attempted suicide um, and survived, thankfully, and was very grateful that he survived. Um, But he just says that like it, it haunts him to this day, knowing that like at some point he said it was as if, I was looking through a door at the nothingness. I wasn't in it. I was still too conscious to get fully engulfed into it, sucked in, but it was there and I could see it. And he said, you know, it haunts me to know that like one day I'll, I will have to face that with that again. And I will lose, Um, which is just a really sad kind of thought. But um, so I'll, I'll read some of these other stories though. So Um, this one, these are all from Reddit. So this guy says, I was stabbed in the stomach with a knife by my uncle when I was 15 years old. His uncle for context is mentally ill. Mm -hmm. Um, he says, I remember freaking out, lying on the floor, hyperventilating while I was bleeding out. I had tried to call up from my basement to phone 911, but was so weak. Every time I moved, I started bleeding more. I remember passing out and having the sensation like I was leaving a dark room and moving outside into the sun. I stopped panicking and this feeling of pure contentment settled over me. I was floating over a garden where all of the plants were giving off light and I could see a huge amorphous shape above me that was made up of every color in existence, including colors I had never seen before and couldn't even possibly describe. Hmm. The shape seemed familiar, like I was a part of it. And it was beckoning me and filling me with pure ecstasy and understanding as I looked at it. Then a man who looked an awful lot like Dream from the Sandman <laughs> comics, which I was obsessed with at the time, walked over to me through the garden and told me that I couldn't go home yet, that it wasn't time. Hmm. I started weeping, but I was filled with a feeling of understanding. Like I knew that I had to go back despite not wanting to. The man had tears streaming down his face and he took my hand and led me back to my body, which was in an ambulance. My older brother had found me and called 911. Four years later, I experienced a kind of weak flashback or replay of the feeling I had while looking at the giant shape in the sky while I was on psilocybin. Oh. Mm. 
it felt like I was intimately connected to every aspect of the universe and that all things that could be known were understood intuitively in that state, like an all encompassing Hmm. answer to some divine question, but I couldn't put it into words or symbols of any sort. It just was all so obvious in that moment. I felt omniscient and omnipresent, but it was a shadow of the feeling I had during the near death experience. I didn't have any religion in my upbringing. I've never been inclined to believe in any sort of organized spirituality, but those two experiences were so vivid and otherworldly that they have convinced me that there are dimensions to existence that are beyond our current ability to grasp in a tangible scientific way. I feel like I had pressed my face up against some sort of veil and looked through a pinhole at something beyond imagining. People have told me that it's just the simple product of brain chemistry and that there's nothing spooky about my experience, (laughs) but I honestly have trouble taking them seriously because none of them have actually experienced anything like it. I challenge anyone to have an experience like this and not come away highly skeptical, highly skeptical about our current scientific worldview. There seems to be this undercurrent of feeling among some that we are rapidly approaching a comprehensive and objective view of reality that science is in its twilight years and we were just tying up some loose ends. But my experience has led me to believe that the cosmos is much more mysterious than anyone, but the most original thinkers are giving it credit for. Hmm. I just thought he wrote that so beautifully Beautifully. and like, yeah. And it's just really interesting that he even calls out like, yeah, my shrooms experience actually Mm -hmm. was, you know, gave me kind of similar. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Another one um, there. So one of the other themes is, so there are some who see like loved ones or, you know, like dream from the Sandman comics or whatever, like, like comforting figures and characters Mm -hmm. others see. And I'm not, I'm not, not to say like they're, they're not comforting, but other people see kind of what other, like, there's not really another way to describe it as if like, other than like death, like they see Mm -hmm. death or some personification of death. And not that it looks scary, but um, this one I thought explained it well. So this is a story that someone's telling of a friend of mine. So a friend of theirs. So they said a friend of mine overdosed one day um, while doing drugs with his friend. The friend hadn't taken anything yet. So he wasn't, you know, just imagining all the signs of death on this guy. No pulse, cold skin, blue lips, all of that. My friend told me that in those few minutes he was considered dead. He saw nothing but white. Everything around him was bright white, and in the distance was a dark, shadowed tree. He then saw a woman, also dark and shadowed, so he wasn't able to see her face, but her presence made him feel happy. She held out her hand to him, and for a while he debated whether or not he should go with her. He decided not to, and she simply walked away. Then he woke up. Before that event, he defined himself as Catholic, but was never really religious. Afterwards, he turned his life around and started devoting himself to helping others. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Really, really interesting. Yeah. I like if both of those, they had a choice uh to go or not. I think that's interesting, too. And it... I don't think you always get a choice. Yeah. But, yeah, it's interesting that when it's, like, truly near death, like... Yeah, like you, it's it's a matter of like, do you want to fight to live mm-hmm. or are you ready to yeah. go? Right. Um, I included this last one because it kind of made me laugh, but also <laughs> in hindsight, I'm like, oh my God, do you remember the Cartoon Network show, Ed, Ed, and Eddie? Mm-hmm. Okay. I do. Okay. So this guy, okay, I'm just going <laughs> to say it's really quick. 
He said, still unclear if I was unconscious or dead. The doctor actually wasn't sure. I was around seven at the time. I saw a light and it got bigger. And then I swear to God, Ed, Ed, and Eddie appear. And they start (laughs) dancing and music plays. And it was weird as fuck. But I swear that's what I remember. And then he comes to. Well. And there are multiple people in this Reddit thread that comment and are like, well, you know what the fan theory says, that Ed, Ed, and Eddie all live in purgatory. What? There's <laughs> this, like, yeah, this, like, widely. And then I started searching it more, and it's a, a thing. Like, people Whoa. are like, oh, that's what the show is, that there are these three dead children in God. an afterlife. <laughs> and when you think about it, it tracks. Like, you're like, wait a minute. Like, they didn't um, have parents. Yeah. Like, they were so they did like the most like outlandish shit. Like it was like like otherworldly. They did like otherworldly things. And there's this massive fan theory Whoa. that they're literally like dead kids frolicking in purgatory or the right. afterlife. Oh god. Uh, that, that blew my mind. Yeah, me too. I was like, what? And then he saw them and like yeah. the 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 OP, the original poster was like, I didn't even know that that was a thing. Yeah. Whoa. So I was like, oh, my God, that's so weird. <laughs> that is really weird. So weird. Wow. So, so, so weird. Oof. Okay. I want to so, watch that show again now. I don't really remember. I know, me too. I don't really, I don't really remember it either. It just being so weird. Yeah. Like, um, Cat Dog yeah. is not the other one. <laughs> and uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog. That yeah. one was actually really scary to me when I was a kid. Mm. Yeah. So bizarre. Yeah. But <laughs> Anyway, so I'm just going to touch on astral projection quickly. Um, I just have a a few, actually not, not that quickly, but (laughs) classic. Um, So there is a kind of two schools of thought. Some people believe that astral projection and lucid dreaming are the same. Hmm. Others believe that they are two separate things. And I'm going to kind of lean towards that they're separate things Hmm. because well, someone actually does a really good job of kind of defining both and the differentiation. So I'm just going to read that. Okay. So lucid dreaming. This is what happens when you are asleep. You enter REM usually, and then you become aware that you are dreaming. Because you are dreaming, you are not in the real world. You can tell you are lucid dreaming because you gain partial or full control of the dream, i.e. of the reality you're experiencing. You can touch objects in your environment like normal, pick things up, open and close doors, make sexy people appear in front of you um, who want nothing so much as to tear your clothing off and have sex with you. You're in control. It all feels physical. You'll even enjoy the sex. And then in parentheses, she's like, I bet you can't guess what ended up happening in all of the lucid dreams I had as an adolescent. (laughs) Um, And then, you know, if we agree that real magic creates real change in the real world, then this isn't magic so it's like it is a dream that that's it whether that's a you know a a reality imagined by your mind whatever you imagine the dream world a dream state to be it is within that vacuum yeah so astral projection which is literally going quote out of body um this is what happens when you're awake usually you enter a trance you create an energy body you position your consciousness and leave some of your physical senses. 
yeah, and, and put some of your physical senses into the energy body and you leave your physical body passive and dormant, maneuvering through the real world, our waking reality via your energy body. You are in the real world unless you decide to plane shift, but that's a different thing. Yikes. You can look down and see your dormant body. It's almost as if you're a ghost. You can't lift things with your hands. You can't open doors. People usually can't see you or sense you unless, of course, they can normally perceive ghosts or Mm -hmm. energetic bodies. Um, You can pass through walls and see what another person in the vicinity of your energy body is doing. Thereafter, you could return to your body, resume normal waking consciousness and go talk to the person you were spying on about what they were doing because you were in the real world. So that's obviously hypothetical and it doesn't usually work like that for people. But um, they said before returning to your body, you can do real magic that affects the real world. So this is coming Mm -hmm. from like a witchcraft perspective in terms of like you know, doing magic and how that works. So there's no magic involved in lucid dreaming, yeah. according to this definition. There there can be magic involved in astral mm-hmm. projection, which is like if you watch Charmed, yeah. that's <laughs> happening all the yeah. time. Um, because magic at the end of the day is energy manipulation and you have the ability to manipulate energy yeah. because you are energy. Mm. You can't touch physical things. You can touch energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... That said, if you do magic, the theory is that you'll use up part of the energy that's comprising your body. So it'll weaken or deplete the energy body that you've created separate from your physical, like corporal form. Um, Unless you bring your soul with you, (laughs) which is a whole nother thing, or know how to reach back into your body to pull more energy out of it. So there are just so many layers. Yeah, so many. so many layers, but I just thought that was really fascinating the way she talked about it. So just like a quick story that not even a quick story, but like a, a, a tool for how to induce it because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hypothetically, anybody can lose yeah. dream. Anybody can astral project. So sleep paralysis is actually, they say a really great tool to induce lucid dreams and astral projection. I don't fully understand the lucid dream part. I feel like for me, it's the other way around. I lucid dream and that leads to sleep paralysis and night terrors. But, you know, I'm sure there's a way to like reverse engineer that. Yeah. The astral projection piece I get though, because you are in this like really unique state that, you know, you can't, yeah, you're just in a really unique like zoned out state. So I can see how you could kind of get yourself in that zone. But some people have like specific tactics for like being able to astral project. So what they say is this is like known and accepted as like a a working strategy. You sleep for four to six hours, get up for an hour or so, and then go back to sleep with the intent to astral project. Well, (laughs) yeah. So that implies you have a lot of control over shifting between waking and sleeping yeah but i find that very interesting and like almost everyone is like yup a lot of people are blind when they astral project so all of their senses don't come with them into their energetic body right so that's really interesting some um some can some learn to over time but it's it's really really interesting um yeah so 
getting into a little more of like the layers of it. So according to those who practice astral projection, the astral realm is divided into different realities. So this gets into like parallel realities, but then separately like dream state isn't a part of that, but maybe a part of that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like ambiguity in what people believe. Yeah. But, um, so there are these different realities, one of which is closest to our own physical reality. In this reality, you may see things that concur with the physical reality, but also things imagined by those who inhabit the physical space or things that have been in that space, are in that space, or will be in that space. So <laughs> well, it's but it's a really interesting like alternative to this idea of a simulation. Yeah. That like it, okay, so if I have control over physically, not physically, energetically removing energy from yeah. my physical body mm -hmm. into a separate body, yeah, we're connected mm -hmm. by consciousness, but that's it. Yeah. Why couldn't I navigate to another dimension or another realm or another plane? Right. And from there with nothing but energy, I and everyone are contributing. It's like an open source, like crowdsourced <laughs> reality, yeah. basically. So mm -hmm. it's like my energy leaves a mark there. So mm -hmm. maybe if you astral projected into that same realm a year later, yeah. you'd see a glimpse of me right. there, you know, or something that I, I brought along, whether it was an emotion or, you know, something along yeah. those lines. Also, what we don't know is, are there other physical beings that exist there all the time? Right. And then they're also impacting the energetic reality we experience. Whoa. And also, can people astral project from other realities into our reality? Because yeah. that would actually explain oh, a lot of the glitches uh -huh. in the Matrix. Yes, it would. <laughs> so, <Whoa>. yeah. <sighs> like, yeah. mind blown. Mm -hmm. So... When you get into, this is also from Reddit, when you get into the quantum world, reality becomes very weird, as this person <laughs> defines it. Mm -hmm. Who's to say the reality we experience is the actual reality of the universe? We already know that our brains fabricate colors and other parts of our vision just based on how our brains function, but all of our senses do that. So our perception of reality could be largely fictitious and we would never know as our senses tell us otherwise, Right. which kind of you know, comes back to the simulation ideas, mm -hmm. like scientific evidence, like, yes, I believe in science. So like nobody, yeah. at me, <laughs> like don't come for me. But if you do think about it that way, if you're thinking about like energy and like there being a greater source of energy and different realities and dimensions and realms and planes and all of that, our perceived reality is not necessarily like the capital R reality of right. our base reality say, yes in the terms of the simulation theory mm -hmm. so this is really interesting because i i'm gonna end on this one because i actually have had a very like similar experience uh, well parts of it so he says when i was a little boy i would hold court <laughs> i would hold court sometimes uh -huh. with my parents telling them all of my theories about how the world worked they would indulge me and listen because they were very good parents. Um, 
And then he said, I know, because I don't have that kind of patience. (laughs) I was seven, sitting in our family caravan one sunny afternoon, explaining that a whole other layer of reality could be right beside ours, Hmm. and that time might be malleable there. I distinctly remember indicating the empty space in the room and explaining that my future self could be standing there watching our conversation. I come from a Presbyterian but functionally materialist background, not a single whiff of new age thinking in my upbringing. Hmm. I don't know where I would have gotten that idea <laughs> of this near earth plane or even why I have been would have been so certain that my future self could do such a thing. Hmm. The whole picture of this wider reality just sprung up in my mind, it, just an inspired leap or maybe someone else was talking through me. I didn't learn about astral projection for another nine or 10 years. Hmm. And it wasn't until 14 years later that I first traveled in time to in the astral plane. I haven't been back to that day in the caravan, but for poetic and sometimes perhaps continuity reasons, I feel it's necessary that I do close the loop someday. Um, So I haven't astral projected. That's not the piece I relate to, but I have gone down those (laughs) rabbit holes. Like when I was really little, Mm -hmm. imagining this concept of like, nothingness of other dimensions of existence in this weird wavy vacuum that Mm -hmm. I I quite literally can't put the image into words or explain it in a way that makes sense but it used to bring this like overwhelming feeling of like dread honestly to me and so it just was really interesting because I think the way that he is thinking about it even as a child is so and that's pretty fucking profound for mm-hmm. a seven-year-old Very. to be like, time might be malleable yeah. there. I doubt he used the word valuable, yeah. but you know, it's just, it's just really interesting. And I like that idea that he had, you know, maybe he sensed a future version of himself there yeah. and gestured yeah. to, and could, you know, because it's him. So of course he would be able to sense that energy more strongly than one, someone who's close to it, but two, someone who's not him. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. And also, if you're able to do that, so say his future self was in the room with him, could he, as a child, pull energy from that energetic body? Or could that energetic body push energy yeah, onto, onto him? him? Hmm. You know, it's like, it's really... Very, it's just like limitless. Yeah. Like the, it's limitless. And it that is really hopeful to me. Like yeah. The simulation shit makes me want to bury my head in the sand. Yeah. But yeah, just full stop dread. <laughs> yeah. Doom. Doom. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I'm having a mental breakdown. Uh-huh. But this alternative is like so beautiful and like expansive and like, yeah. Holy shit. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. Yeah. I mean, my mind is blown that people have even astral projected. Like, I have not, I know. I haven't even ever considered that that was possible. I know. I kind of want to try. Yeah. But then it also scares me. Like, what if you yeah. get stuck? That's what I was thinking. What if thinking? you get stuck on another plane? How do you get back? I don't know. Yeah, there's some research to do before yeah. <laughs> before we try. Before we try that. Before we yeah. try that out. Yeah. Wow. What an awesome this was a really good topic. Yeah. I'm like I'm really glad we did this one. Same. I think there's even a lot more that we could talk about in a similar vein. I think so too. Like yeah. including more about deja vu. And I was reminded yeah. when I was doing research today that deja vu has kind of an opposite 
called mm. Jamais Vu, which is French. Oh, yeah, never seen. Yeah, which could be interesting. Oh, okay. And I never heard of that before. Okay, I'm, yeah. I'm adding it to our list. Okay. That's a good one. Perfect. Well, wow. um, we're taking a, a bit of a tangent next week, and we're going to talk about <laughs> oh, that yeah. video will yeah. be posted with <laughs> Ends it on a high yeah. note, everyone. Tune in next time to hear what that's about. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, shit, guys. Thanks so much for listening. If you made it this yeah. far, if you paused it partway through, yeah. totally understand. No problem. Um, <laughs> we wanted to deliver some extra content because you, I'm sure you guys missed us for a week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, follow us on social on FB and IG <laughs> at Girls Gone Spooky. Please, please send us your stories. Please, <laughs> please. I beg you. Yeah. Um, at to Girls Gone Spooky at gmail.com. And last but not least, <laughs> stay, stay spooky. spooky. See stay you next spooky. time. Spooky. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.